Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Guys podcast. This is a presentation of Alliance-Wrestling.com, your number one source for news and information for the National Wrestling Alliance and the United Wrestling Network. I'm your host, Jay Cal. With me on the show again, two weeks back-to-back, we've got DKM. Hi. And Jaden. Hola. And guys, we're here to talk NWA. We're here to talk about NWA power and some of the going-ons that have been happening in the entirety of the National Wrestling Alliance. I don't know why I'm having so much difficulty lately saying National Wrestling Alliance. Maybe I should just stick to the NWA. You can't say that right either, apparently. Yeah, that was... I, I, I was winking at the camera on that one. That was done intentionally. Um, <laughs> well, you'll just have to watch the podcast now to find out, won't you? So let's something else. What was that? I bet you'll cover that up with something else. Yeah, there'll be a picture of you, buddy. Um, so let's get into it, right? Uh, another pretty successful week for the NWA. I mean, we had a a live event for the National Wrestling Alliance out in Minneapolis, Minnesota, where they did uh, they did a show with the Modest Brewery. Um, I love brewery wrestling, as you guys could see. Those of you watching at home, uh, I was at the uh, Iron Triangle Brewing Company when they did the Bumps and Bruises show. There is something to be said about watching wrestling at a brewery. You get some pretty cool backdrops and. Uh, and I don't mean the moveset, I just mean the, the, the scenery. Um, but from the photos of the event, it looked pretty cool. Uh, the best way to see those photos, it's not like the NWA has been really uh, pushing out press releases about the show. Um, if you go to Instagram and just hashtag search Modest Brewery, you'll find a lot of the photos from the event. That's, that's where I found them. And, and then, of course, hey, no news is good news, but we still have... The national treasure, Nick Aldis, he is still your NWA World's Heavyweight Champion with a successful against against uh, successful defense against Brandon Gore. Uh, we also saw uh, Allison Kay successfully defend her title against ODB. ODB would be someone I would really like to see uh, in an NWA power ring. You guys with me on that one? Nope, not at all. <laughs> DKM. I like ODB. I always liked ODB. She was fun. Um, and then the biggest question mark that I have from the event, which, uh, y- you know, is kind of like an Arrowverse uh, flash sequence. Um, we split the multiverse. Now we have two timelines here. We have a timeline where the Rock and Roll Express won the tag team titles on October the 1st. So we have tag team champions still defending the titles on October 26th. How do you feel about the the uh, wild card still defending the tag titles, even though the world knows that the Rock and Roll Express won the belts? It kind of reminds me of when the Freebirds lost the NWA World Tag Team Championship before they ever won them. <laughs> Maybe there's something going on. I, I don't think, first of all, they uh, the universe wanted us to actually uh, divulge that information. Either that or maybe Hillary Clinton's trying to block you from talking, but... Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a dumb idea. 
I just think it's a dumb idea. DKM, what are your thoughts? You can't do that this day and age. I'm sorry. That's idiotic. Everybody knows pretending like it doesn't happen is the utmost in not respecting the business. This isn't the day when you could have the Road Warriors lose to Bretton Buzz Sawyer for five nights in a row, lose the titles all night, all the time, and then show back up with the titles because Buzz got fired. I mean, we live in a modern world. The Internet's out there. Anybody who falls in NWA knows who the champions are. Whether the people there did or not, who knows? But you know, it is just stupid. And the thing that really ups—I—I I, I don't want to use the word upset because it's wrestling. What am I getting upset about? But the thing that bothers me—I guess that's a better word—is that it's not like I'm breaking a spoiler alert right now. This isn't Jay Cow breaking the news. The Rock and Roll Express posted on Twitter. Hey, we won the tag titles. They put it on Instagram. So, in the NWA, we're sharing this stuff. It's not like this is late breaking news. It's not like we're, we're, you know, we're breaking the fourth wall. It's already been broken. The kayfabe has already been pushed aside. So, it's like uh, now you're going to try to squeeze that toothpaste back in the bottle and pretend like it didn't happen. I just, it's a little unsettling and it's very insulting, if you ask me. Yeah, I kind of agree. It's, um, in poor taste, in my opinion, it's insulting to the intelligence of the rest of the nowadays. It's it's just, it's up there with uh, a hundred five pound little pus, pudgy little pus bag dwarf uh, trying to be a big time superstar, and people jump uh, dropping to him. <laughs> you're, you're throwing shade at AEW or uh, anyone in particular. Well, actually, unfortunately, that seems to be about 75% of independent wrestling nowadays. But, yeah, I'm throwing it sure is. Yeah, you know, so, I'm, I'm losing weight. So I'm down to like 190 pounds now. And there are still uh, quote-unquote wrestlers who, if I fell and tripped on, they, I'd pin them. Right. So so um, I, I didn't look uh, before the show started. But switching gears to um, – well, actually, before I get to that, we do need to talk about something that recently uh, was brought to light. Um, now, this doesn't involve Billy Corgan. This doesn't involve Dave Lagana. Hell, it doesn't even involve Bruce Tharp or the guys that owned the NWA uh, prior to Billy. But it does specify the previous, previous ownership, and that's uh, Rick O'Brien – in NWA Virginia, um, obviously they haven't been affiliated with the NWA for a while, but you guys heard the news. He got in trouble with the law for sex crimes with a child. Um, personally, as a father, that's disgusts me. Um, I hope the man rots in prison. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, Dave Marquez was quick to point out his hypocrisy where he used to um, chastise fellow uh, members of the NWA board for their sexuality. And, uh, and then something like this comes out. Um, obviously, I think we're all in agreement here that uh, pedophiles don't have any business 
belonging in professional wrestling. Uh, do you guys have anything you want to add to that? No, not really. Um, just maybe in prison, they got to have somebody who wants to wrestle him. Yeah. It's just disgusting. I don't know. He doesn't deserve the airtime. Well, that's fair. So we'll move on to NWA Power. Power! Um, so the the I wasn't able to look up the results, uh, or excuse me, the uh, views prior to the show, but I did look earlier today. And already um, earlier this morning, they had 88,000 views for episode four of uh, the NWA Power prior to the uh the episode before this one was well over 200,000 the episode the second episode was close to 300,000 and the first episode was over half a million views already clearly this is a formula that's working guys i, I think people are buying in um i see mostly positive pieces about the nwa i mean we, you saw that the rock had commented on it and i'm not talking about ol anderson i'm talking about dwayne johnson uh you've got uh, other uh, other people from the WWE pontificating on it, like Corey Graves, and uh, I think I saw uh, I saw someone else from the WWE. I can't think of who it was. Uh, comment on the show's success and the the bre- breath of fresh air that it has. Uh, have you guys heard anything real negative about the show? I've heard people nitpicking, but not specifically anyone who just hates the show. I mean, but no, I've actually heard a few people starting to get a little um, complaining about it. More traditionalists are complaining about the, um, while the initial outings of it were a little bit more, at least recently they've said that it's becoming more goofy. I guess some of the very same things that I started saying last week. Um, But in general, though, I see way more positive comments. And right now, as of this very second, they have a hundred and twenty thousand seventy-five views for the episode four. Yes. So let's talk about it. Um, first thing we got was uh, Aaron Stevens out and about on the show again, and uh, again after last week's. Uh, God awful pirate movie, whatever it's called. Um, I'm at a loss for words. What What are you guys' takes on Aaron Idol, or excuse me, Aaron Stevens so far? As far as the wrestling guy that's out there doing the promos, I like him fine. Uh, I realize part of his character is, you know, being a movie star. Stay away from this pirate thing <laughs> stop showing clips or yeah or just <sighs> stop the silliness i guess that would be my thing Jaden, if he was the only silly thing that was going on it might be you know it might be fine but he's one of many unfortunately of the silliness going on so it's just it's over. It's overdone, and it's too much. And again, it's something that I would see on primetime wrestling. I think this might be some Vic McMahon influence sleeping down to uh, to a former employee. I guess I don't know. 
Hmm. So what happened next, DK? Why don't you lead us a little bit tonight? I left my notes at work. <laughs> Bullshit. No, if I hey, look, if I didn't have to drive like an hour back to get him, I would have. But then that would have delayed this whole podcast thing. So uh, I decided we well, try the, to wing it. What the actual beginning of the episode was was actually an interview. Start off with James Storm. Oh well, see, and then, see, thank you. And then E Lie Drake DKM's secret cousin. Um, he was he came out and started stirring some shit, and then Kel Boom Boom Cabana came out. And then right. the dealer himself, Nick Aldis, and it turned into a future angle, something going on with a six-man main event uh, where they're going to choose partners. And uh, it's Eli Drake and his partners. And no, James Storm. Is, I'm James sorry, Storm and his partners. Storm, that's right. James Storm and his partners and Cole Cabana and, and the uh, dealer himself, Nick Aldis, they pretty much confirmed they're going to be teaming, and we're not sure until later who that is. Um, and then right now, Nick Aldis says that, you know, if if their team wins, Colt gets a national championship match. If Colt's team – I mean, if uh, Storm's team wins, then they, Storm gets a shot at the world title, but he has to give up the national championship, and I hate that. To me, it devalues the national championship that they would just give that up to get a shot. He's a champion. He deserves the shot anyway. He should theoretically be able to say, look, I'm the champion. I'm the number one contender. I should get a shot no matter what. I shouldn't have to do this. You know, in all reality, it came more across of, I, I know it's supposed to come across like Eli Drake was playing things around and getting a bunch of people to hurt each other and do a bunch of things, but it came more across as Nick Aldis was afraid of Storm and he was manipulating things to maybe eliminate Storm as a future challenger. We kind of saw this in all this before, back with the Cody Rhodes issue. Yes. You know, when it was kind of like, well, if for you to get a shot, you got to give something up or put something on the line or block yes. it. Yes. Yes. Like, no, that's not kind of the way this works. People don't give up their secondary title to challenge for the world title. People don't put something on the line so they face the world champion. Yes, the world champion is the one that always has something to lose. That's part of being the world champion. Every night you're going out and facing a top challenger who can take the title away from you. That's why you're the best. Right. When Harley Race held that belt, he used to say, he goes, I'm the best wrestler in the world, and this belt right here proves it. I think I think the exact quote was God's green planet or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Greatest wrestler on God's green planet. Yes. So I'm with you guys 100%. Now, two things. First off, you guys know I'm, I love Nick Aldis, right? I mean, I'm a big proponent of the national treasure. But two things. One, he doesn't need two nicknames. I don't want to call him the National Treasure and the Dealer. Let's stick to one, guys. It's a little hard for me to keep up. I'm not the sharpest knife in the toolbox. You know what I'm saying? The second thing is, 
why is everything so convoluted with Nick Aldis? You brought up the point with Cody. Hey, Cody, you bring that Ring of Honor title and we'll do a, a title for title. Well, that didn't happen. He still got his match. But then on the rematch, hey, well, Cody, I'm challenging you, but let's make it two out of three falls to see who the best man is. Because, again, it had to be convoluted. Then when he, uh, when he finally he wins the title, he finally goes to, to, to Tim Storm and says, hey, Tim, you can have a shot at the title, but you're just going to have to put up your opportunity to ever challenge for it again. Convoluted. Why, why all this rhetoric? Why all this stuff? Why can't we just have a wrestling match? And to your point, is he pulling some strings? Maybe Nick Aldis has too much power on NWA power. And, and I always have been against a commissioner or a on-air uh, figurehead, but maybe it's time the NWA introduced somebody to pull the strings back on Aldis, who seems to be running roughshod and, and you know telling people when he's going to defend the title, who he's going to defend the title against. It's like... Uh, you know, we still don't even have a number one contender yet. And the pay-per-view is on December 14th. They haven't officially announced an opponent yet for Nick Aldis. You know, something that's going yeah, back. It's... Something that reminds me of an old Mid-South angle in which uh, basically I think it was Butch Reed kind of at the last moment put the North American title up against uh, Magnum TA who then won the title and then put it up when he was challenged by Nikolai Volkov or some Russian of the time <laughs> and won the title. And then, you know, Bill Watts came back later and said, you know what? The wrestlers don't make the matches. The matchmakers make the matches. Right. And so last we had the, you know, Delton brothers say, well, you know, we'll face anybody except for outlaw Inc. Who was challenging us or whatever. Right. Lagana, somebody needs to, come out I think remind the wrestlers they're not the ones in charge right uh, he's the one that puts the matches together they and they wrestle for the reasons of it's what's best for the NWA instead of best for business but Aiden the the board of directors or the championship committee or the uh, executive director or whoever it's going to be should decide who's the champion and who's, I mean, and who gets the shot at the championships and who faces who the matchmaking committee. Um, get, yeah, these guys don't make it. And yes, if it's, if it was actual sports, they could refuse to sign a contract to the belt. If they really wanted to, if they're a champion, you know, right. or if you go with the old fashioned rules of the top 10, you can a champion can defend against anybody in the top ten, but the higher they rank, the more money he makes for the defense. So, you know, they they should just do something where they establish who the packing order is, and then, you know, these people get matches. And there should be wins and losses should matter. I mean, AEW claims that happens, and I haven't seen it yet. And but if the wins and losses matter, that should determine who's the challenger, not. Uh, who wins a six-man match or who um, Nick Aldis wants to face. It should be, you know, there's a, a pecking order decided by wins and losses and what's going on there, and then that determines the champion. But right now, the only undefeated tag team that's, uh, that we've seen so far 
is the Dawsons. They should be number one contenders to the tag belts based on that. I mean, hard to argue against that, I should say. Um, yeah. They're, yeah. So I think we're all in agreement that somebody needs to uh, intervene on behalf of the viewer and give us some sort of direction because champions shouldn't be able to call shots. I mean, this is the NWA, and the NWA has been around for, what, uh, 71 years now? Um, there was a rank and file at some point, and maybe a return to that would be beneficial. So what happened next, uh, Jane? What, what else happened? Well, right after that, they had um, a bunch of bad commercials. We'll start with that. <laughs> and then uh, they recapped what's going on with the whole Camille thing. But my favorite part of that afterwards is they actually brought in Trevor Murdoch and they gave him a promo and he came across somebody who with had passion and somebody who wanted to be there. Yes. Unfortunately, that kind of got ruined when they brought in Black Bart Jr., a.k.a. Josephus. <laughs> um, he, Josephus was suspended for the powder incident. Right. And again, somebody decides, hey, I don't think he should be suspended. I must have the power to unsuspend him. So they ended up having a match that somehow became official without anybody doing so. They just decided to have a match, and then there it is. And then um, Trevor Murdoch won. But during the – if you wonder why I don't believe Josephus has what it takes to be part of the NWI and be featured, just watch that attack. It's horrible. It's so amateur. He just stutter steps into it and doesn't put anything behind it. If Trevor Murdoch wasn't as good as he was, he probably wouldn't even know that he was supposed to what was supposed to go on and, and run into the 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 um, post. He just he's the one wrestler on the one who, out of everybody in the thing that just does not belong, looks the most minor league. His, his punches, his strikes, everything. It's just so. 1980s bad independent wrestling looking stuff. I don't know who trained him. He should. They should probably give him their, his money back because he just does not look like he belongs. Everything he does is so, I mean, so incredibly inferior to everybody else on the on the show. It it actually turns out he's a product of the old uh, USWO, um, Tennessee Wrestling. They had connections to the NWA on and off for many years. Um, I, I don't know exactly who trained them, but I think that was LT Falk's promotion out there in Tennessee. Uh, DCAM. Well, speaking of Falk, grab one of those tire irons and hit him in the head and <laughs> take him out of wrestling. <laughs> tire irons. Tire irons. DK, did you want to add anything to the match between uh, – Josephus and uh, Trevor Murdoch. I like Trevor Murdoch. Glad he won. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I will make this comment on Josephus. Now, I've seen him for a long time. And, you know, there was a period of time where he wrestled as Josephus Brody. And, you know, he had a Bruiser Brody type gimmick and everything. And it fit him a little bit better just kind of being a wild brawler and stuff like that. Right. Uh, he wrestled for NWA saw, if you guys remember them. Yeah. Uh, he even won, even won the Southern heavyweight title 
Hmm. And uh, did he beat Jeremiah Plunkett for that? I don't remember who he beat for it. I remember he lost it a short time later. Uh, and it may have been, uh, I want to say Chase Owens. He either won it from or lost it to Chase Owens. That's interesting. This was kind of back when Smoky Mountain and Saw was doing a small crossover. Right. And, uh, you know, that character fit a little bit. It worked for what it was. He does not, like Jaden says, he doesn't fit here. And we can ramble on forever about that. So next... Well, let's let's let me talk a little bit of positive here on this because Trevor Murdoch. I, I just want to go to what Jaden was saying. He came out with some power. He kind of came out, no pun intended. Sorry, he came out very passionate about being a part of the NWA and that he was fighting for a contract. Now they didn't really explain fighting for a contract. Like I, I thought, everyone there had a contract. I mean, I, I know at the press conference that Billy Corgan said like the shows would uh, rotate rosters in talent in and so maybe maybe that's what was implied trevor murdoch was wrestling for a deal so he would be there exclusively with the nwa um i'm just glad to see him i think i think with this crowd trevor murdoch is a-okay with us and i'm glad to see him on my tv every week the little things right trevor murdoch is an old school style wrestler trained by harley race he's been in wwf or wwe he's he, he was in tna um I hope the NWA does become a home for him. I hope maybe he and, and Colt can maybe lock up for the, uh, excuse me, maybe him and James Storm can lock up for the national title uh, sometime down the road. Yes, and that's alternate universe. That might be a great match. But if they're <laughs> going to rotate talent, maybe they should rotate Josephus out. Uh, the true question mark is whether he has any talent at all. <laughs> After that was the was the Aaron Stevens segment, and it was awkward. It was incredibly awkward. Ricky Starks came across as kind of a star in his first appearance. In this appearance, he came across of a guy who had no idea what he was saying or doing, or it didn't work. Um, Darren Stevens, which I'm sure a lot of people wanted to do. I know DK probably does. But yeah, I don't know. It's he came across as somebody who didn't have an idea what he was going to do when he came out and he tried to improvise and it just didn't work. Hmm. What's your take DK? Well, one of the things about studio wrestling and, you know, Billy said this, you kind of have to stand on your own. You have to, you have to go out uh, just to get a comment in on the commercial. Yeah. I mean, I kind of agree with you. It's, it's kind of in bad taste in this day and age. Uh, and also, more importantly, this is some of that silly shit that Jaden and I have been talking about. Right. You know, the first, the first episode or something, you go, oh, and that's neat, or oh, that's funny, or whatever. The fourth episode, you're going, you can stop this now. You know, it, it was funny the first time you told the joke. The 28th time, it's just not funny anymore. But getting back to the show itself... We go to a match that I have some mixed feelings about. We go to a no DQ match between the Dawsons and uh, Outlaw Inc. with yes. the, the Wild Cards, who were the 
actual World Tag Team Champions at that time, uh, watching from uh, ringside. And it was a notice qualification match. And the match wasn't anything special one way or the other. I mean, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But I found it odd to have a notice qualification match in a studio wrestling show. It just didn't work for me. Uh, I, I don't know. Jaden, what do you think? I kind of understand where they were going from, but whatever happened to the, the, the guys winning uh, squash matches? I mean, is that one week now they win one squash match and now they're stars? Uh, there's not enough time. There hasn't been enough time for Al Zinc to get over and beat up some people and showcase their moves. If we're supposed to care about the Dawsons, there hasn't been enough time for them to showcase what they can what they can do with like enhancement talent. Um, they, it's uh, immediately went from trying to build stars to how is anybody going to be a star if everybody's a star? Right. And, you know, and, and then they're going into the match. It's, it's the, what is this? The fourth night or the fourth uh, taping or whatever. And yeah. it's too much too soon. It's um, back in the old days, which is supposed to be based off of, they they would go ten weeks television before they would even have their first house show, and they would do ten weeks of nothing but squash matches and and uh, stuff. It's they could have got something over at the interview podium. I mean, it was done very well on the first night with uh, with Wild Card and Outlaw Inc. They could have keep inst- and have these guys you know win squashes and then do a little brawl at the end or something like that. Um, all it did, in my opinion, was kind of make the tag team division look weak because here's uh, your new tag team that you're trying to push and your tag team that's been around that's got incredible lot of talent and you're already just blowing your load right away free television yeah I mean okay so here's where where I sit on it um, being there in the audience like we wanted to see the Dawson's get killed like we had had enough of their shit already and so I kind of see the point of why they had the match. And, you know, especially with the ending, it certainly kind of pushed that more and more like, aha, Dawson's got another victory. Um, I don't remember exactly the order they shot the show. And I believe this match might have happened uh, taping-wise a little bit later than what it aired. I could be wrong. Those were some long hours of TV. We basically were in the studio from like 6 to almost 11 o'clock at night. So um, a very long time in the studio and they did shoot nine out, uh, nine hours of television. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if some things air out of order that they were shot, but um, yeah, I, I think they rushed it. I, I think it happened too quickly. Um, I think they sh- definitely would have benefited from more build. And of course, much to, to your point, Jaden, who, who are the stars here? Who, who are they establishing? And uh you, you know, the Dawson's would have benefited more from a few more squashes. Uh, Coming up next, trying to remember, sorry, there was the big long brawl. And then, oh, yeah, and then the there was a segment with the question mark. Again, the question I want is why would they want to waste their time putting this on television? But um, I, I don't know. Sorry, it's just stupid. Uh, then they recap what happened with Allison Kay and her women's challengers. They showed the debut of Marty Bell. 
and they showed the match be- little you know highlights of the match between um and I can't remember the other girl's name. Ashley Vox. Yeah, Ashley Vox. Yeah. Ashley Vox. Yeah. Yeah. And then they went into the match, and instead of putting over challengers, Allison K put them down. So yes. basically, you know, if she put them down, basically saying "I beat you," but then it means that doesn't mean anything because nobody, right? You know, she very condescendingly did it too, and then. Marty Bell had a decent match with Ashley Vox. It was it wasn't bad. Um, I don't think they either of them came out looking stronger. And then uh, no. Thunder Rosa came out with the drums playing. <laughs> they did not play the did drums in that? the studio. What was that? No, there were no drum. There were no drums in the studio. That was uh, that-, that was aftermarket produced. Yeah, that's the thing they've been doing on our promos is they've been playing the drums as they show her putting on her makeup or her face paint or war paint. Um, yeah. I I guess that's something. Whatever. It's different. You know, I like Thunder Rose. I keep wanting Carla Rosa Negra, but um, I like Thunder Rose a person. lot. And she, yeah. <laughs> and I think the, her look and her talent is a is a I don't know if Allison K handpicked Thunder Rosa to be part of this, but she did pick Marty Bell, who's got some impact wrestling experience. Right. And Ashley Vox. Um, is this just favoritism getting your people on the, the the TV and the instead of somebody who could, you know, maybe be a little bit better in the spot? Well, again, it seems like the champions are the ones that get to play the cards, right? They're they're picking their own opponents. They're they're stacking the roster. They're deciding when and who they'll face for the uh, when they'll defend their titles. Um, DK, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this match, Ashley versus Marty. Well, again, like we talked about at the beginning, and you just covered the champions are calling the shots. I don't know how you get over wrestlers when the champions out there just insulting them that way. Right. Um, Rick Flair would come out and he might point out that he was the best, but he would also kind of put over his opponents enough to show that, you know, I beat these guys and these areas are good. And that's why I'm the best. Right. Proves I'm better. And this is the man. You got to beat the man or in this case, woman. Yeah. And this is kind of like, uh, you know, none of you are really worthy of a, title <laughs> i'm glad we have a recording of dcam doing a female voice because that was epic you're welcome <laughs> but anyway and then in something i really didn't get really didn't get to the all <laughs> was Ashley that, puberty <laughs> was Ashley good job peter brady <laughs> was ashley about 20 because yeah. now you're kind of in that WWE 50-50 booking. Okay, Marty Bell came out and won one. Now she's lost one. Ashley Vox wrestled the champion and lost, but now she's beat Marty Bell. Uh, we, saw right. that Trevor, we saw that with Trevor Murdoch. Lost. Well, and then, and then to me, like uh, the most – so being in the audience and I'm sitting there watching it, right, 
and I had the same feeling as both of you is, wow, number one, I love the amount of shit talking Allison K does. It's great. It fits her character. Pinky's up talking shit. That's what she does. I get it. But then right through her supposedly best friend's face, hey, I love you, but you don't belong in the ring with me. To me, that was some savage, savage stuff. And then uh, apparently she was 100% right because Marty Bell lost to Ashley Vox. The one who couldn't get the job done, who already had a match, wasn't for the title, but had a match he couldn't get the job done. And then thank God for Thunder Rosa. Thank God she's here to save us, you know, save us underscore Thunder Rosas because honestly, the women's division is lacking. It's lacking. And uh, Allison Kay, I think, is a great champion, but she needs some higher-end competition. Earlier when I said ODB, because to me, ODB is a step up between uh, Ashley Vox or Marty Bell or any of the other broads that they've brought in so far. I'm not impressed. I personally, I was hoping for my girl Ruby Rays to show up. Obviously, that didn't happen. But I, I would love to see what Thunder Rosas is going to do. And it, it was weird. Did you, did you guys pick up on that weird vibe where she was reaching out to Marty Bell? She put her hand out there, and Marty just kind of stormed out of the ring? Well, first of yeah, all, is there supposed to be an alliance of friendship? I didn't understand that part, but I, I do want to say this one thing real quick. Uh, sure. The views expressed by Cal J when he used the term broads is Cal J's alone, and he should be contacted directly and not the entire Alliance guys. Thank you. Yeah, Cal they don't like J. to be called broads. These chicks don't like to be called broads or, <laughs> or anything like that. So you shouldn't do that. I was just. <laughs> I just want to make sure I didn't call them girls because a promoter out here locally got in a lot of trouble for calling the women's wrestlers girls. So I'll make sure I show them some class and respect and call them broads. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know how to respond to that at all, but <laughs> I, I like Thunder Rosa. I'm glad she's there. <laughs> and, but getting to Jay's point, I think they missed the boat in an opportunity here with Marty Bell. If she gets another, she got a win last time. If she gets a win this time, you know, you start building her. Right. You know, this is how you build them. They win. Right. Then the champion is forced to go, well, okay, you know, uh, you know, they deserve a title shot, even though they should be the one deciding it. But, you know, it's, then it's obvious. Then the fans accept they should be just, you know, get a title shot. Because right now we're left with, who deserves the title shot? Well, no one. Right. Everybody, and everybody, everybody's so-so, and even Thunder Rosa, until she gets in the ring and beats up everybody. Which she will. I'm sure she will. But, you know, but until that happens, as of right now, there's no, you know, there is no challenger. So, main event time. We've got a six-man tag. We've got uh, James Storm, who comes out with who? The wild card. A champion picks champion. Dun-na, dun-na. Okay. Um, so, Lat- Latimer. Latimer? Yeah. 
Thomas Latimer and Royce Isaacs, along with James Storm, come to the ring and they take on, um, of course, uh, Colt Boom Boom Cabana, our NWA World's Heavyweight Champion, the National Treasure, Nick Aldis, and Mr. Henderson. Hey, did you notice? Say that again. (laughs) Did you notice who was missing? Who did I forget? You didn't forget anybody, but, you know, the person who's out there during the interview stirring up half this crap was Eli Drake. Oh, yeah, but he's the puppet master. I'm telling you, man. He's pulling these strings, man. He's making these guys jump. And uh, that 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 wasn't lost on me. Um, if anything, he would have... We had this conversation a couple weeks ago. We're trying to determine who is face and who is heel, right? Because the actions are always going to speak louder than words. Now... Now, James Storm isn't a heel per se. I mean, he he beat the shit out of uh, Josephus. That's a face move for you guys. Um, he came out asking for a title shot. So far, hasn't done anything heelish. And then he got partnered with the tag team champions who, I mean, up until last week, they hadn't done anything heelish or up until this episode where they attacked the Dawson or attacked, well, both the Dawsons and the Outlaws. So... They're kind of heels. And then you've got Nick Aldis, who, you know, as far as the show is concerned, he's been nothing but a baby face. But he's kind of a little manipulator. And then you've got Cabana, who's definitely a baby face. He hasn't done anything heel, except he came out and emulated James Storm so that Josephus could work out some sort of issues. I don't know. And then you've got Ken Anderson, who's mostly just a baby face so far. And the guy pulling the strings, we don't know what Eli Drake's motives are. I mean, you can kind of tell, but you're right. He wasn't there. We don't know who's face or heel in this show. And I think that, you know, I know they this is a modern-day wrestling, so they like to go with the tweeners. But personally, I want to have a baby face I can cheer for and a heel I can boo. What do you guys think? The only person that's really just completely booable is Josephus. And unfortunately, it's the wrong kind of... <laughs> It's the wrong kind of heat, but um, yeah, it's true though. <laughs> there, there are are the Dawson's heels, and why are Latimer and Royce attacking them? Are the Allos Inc. heels, or why are Latimer and Royce attacking them? My friend, the only people that seem to be true baby faces, Jim Cornette. Oh, not on his last Twitter post. But let's let's move away from that. Let's get back to the wrestling in the ring. Um, DK, now. What did you think of this matchup, the six-man tag? Uh, the matchup was fine. They it, See, this was a good TV main event. Yes. And I think part of what we were talking about earlier with Jaden, the squashes and everything like that, and I kind of understand where we're going. We need the squashes for most of the episode, and then we need a decent TV main event. And this was a good TV main event. So we're back in the main event. Um Anyway, it's a good television main main event. Uh, again, we kind of had the goofy rules, you know, as far as getting Colt Cabana a title shot. At least he got the pin. I don't think anybody was hurt in the match as far as winners or losers. No. So, Jaden. No, I get it. It was a good team main event. I love the way the NWA Tag Team Championships looked when this came out. I don't know why. I don't know if there's something different about it, but the way they shined 
looked very good on television, more so than the, even the the world championship or the national championship. It's just they looked very good. Um, nobody looked bad. Everybody did got their spots in. Uh, I think if anybody, Kennedy probably took them. I hear it's the Jaden and the DKM show. Yes. All right, let's get recording before we uh, get kicked off. (laughs) (laughs) So here's... Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to the Alliance Guys podcast. I'm your host, Jay Callen. With me are my two compadres, my confidants, mis amigos, DKM. Jaden, thank you for joining us. DKM, how are you this evening? It's hump day. I'm good. Oh, Oh, yeah. Jaden, how are you? Well, I used to think compadres meant I was a Mexican uh, preacher, so I guess I'm all right since I'm not a Mexican preacher. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, literally. Exactly. Okay. Um, love. <laughs> I'm going to have a sip of Coke on that already. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah, so, Coke. You're snorting Coke? Exactly. Um. So this is the Alliance Guys podcast, a presentation of alliance-wrestling.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at the Alliance blog. And what we do, well, we talk NWA. That's what we do. That's what we've been doing for 10 years. There's a lot of uh, new guys out there, and I, I think you should try them all. But don't forget who was here first. So to start, say that again. Sam Mushnick. Well, yes, Sam Mushnick was here first. People didn't know he had a podcast back in 1956. Yes, but that was by Telegram. It is. And he would say, (laughs) new NWA world champion, stop. (laughs) (laughs) So there's some uh, 1950s humor there for you guys. Um, All right, so what we're going to talk about. Well, it was an effort, DKM, which is more than I could say than what you're doing. On the show. Oh, wait. I'm, I'm probably gonna. I'm probably gonna edit all this shit out, anyways. Let's be honest. Maybe. All right. So, episode five of NWA Power. All right, guys, do it. Power. Jaden. Jaden, are you abstaining? I think he was maybe his phone. Can you yeah, hear me now? His phone. Yeah, I can hear you now. I can remember. I can't let the phone go black, or it doesn't. You can't hear me. Once it goes Do black, the power. Oh my god! Power. <laughs> It kind of makes me want to do an Ultimate Warrior style promo and say, "The gods above have given me the power." Oh, please okay. don't. All right, so now that that's done, man, I'm hearing dogs and trains. Where are you guys? It's a bunch of hobos. You guys watch your language. You know, you like it black while they cornet. Uh, I said hobos. The only person that'll take offense to that is Robert Baines. Um, so let's let's talk NWA. Let's talk NWA Power. They kicked the show off this week. There was an E Eli Drake promo. Um. The master manipulator added again. DKM, what were your thoughts about Mr. Drake's? Uh, it wasn't actually a promo. It was more like a, a video package of him kind of pulling the strings, if you will, uh, with the 
with the heavyweight division of the uh, NWA. It was a good package, and I think it helped develop the storyline that they're trying to tell, which they they've needed. So uh, I, I liked it. I thought it was a positive. Jaden, your thoughts on the package on Eli Drake? Well, apparently, whenever they showed Eli's package, it gets a lot of positive press. So I guess they have to do more of uh, more more demonstrating of Eli's packages, and it'll be a lot better, I think. Honestly, though, the more Eli's talking, the better. Yeah, I mean, let's face it. He's a promo machine. This guy was meant to be in front of the microphone. Um, you know, I, I read recently where someone compared him to The Rock, and I'm like, that's not a bad thing, guys. <laughs> that's a very good thing. Um, and it kind of set up oh, what the what the show was going to be. Next thing we get is uh, um, Aaron Stevens out. The actor, Aaron Stevens. Um, my, my, the line I wrote down for my notes was, are you booing Shakespeare? Uh, again, with the silliness with uh, Aaron uh, Stevens, what did you guys think about this uh, this fella? Well, you know what? He wasn't as – because, again, he was the only one that was comedic this time. It kind of fit better. He wasn't drowned out by a bunch of stupidity. So, I, you know, I kind of like it. Um, I actually thought they, though – I was always – I thought they – started off with uh, the Cole Cabana interview. You know what? You are absolutely right. Um, I must not have written that down. So, yeah, you you're, you were correct. Pardon me. I was uh, wrong. The Cole Cabana interview where he expressed that he belongs to be – he belongs to be? He belongs in the main event, um, that he feels like the national championship is rightfully his, and that James Storm got that belt in an uh, – well, not in a less than uh, – proper means to get that title. Um, Jaden, since you remember the interview, t- tell us about the interview. Well, there I am, went black again. Um, I remember he was showed a lot of passion. He showed a lot of charisma. Um, when James Storm, I'm sorry, when that James Storm, when Cole Cabana's not being silly, he's a real talent. He's a real asset. And I think maybe we need a little less of the silly, more of the Serious cult, boom, boom, cabana. And he could be a bigger asset to the NWA. It set up the main event, or what was promoted as the main event. And um, it made the championship that he was coveting seem important. So I think it did its job. DK? Yeah, it was a good interview. I think he may have got a little bit stuck at the beginning because he kept saying he was a main eventer and he was going to be in the main event. He said like two or three times that it gave me a slight chuckle, but it was, it was a strong, passionate interview and uh, he really talked the title up and that's important. Yeah. And I mean, um, again, we, we take for granted that that is a secondary title, but the national title in its history has meant so much to the NWA and think of the former champions who've held that belt, like uh, Arn Anderson or, well, I mean, not that particular belt, you know, the, the, um, the other title belt, the other national title. Um, like Tully Blanchard, like Dusty yes. Rhodes, like Ron Garvin, like Buddy Buddy uh, Landell. Can't remember which Buddy. Has a lot uh, of buddies. Yeah, so a, Damian Wayne. 
Chance Go, Prophet, a lot of great NWA national champions. Phil Going back further, of course, there was Tommy Rich, Paul Orndorff, Buzz Sawyer, the Mass Superstar, uh, Jack Briscoe. So, as we just showed off, the lineage of the title has been very important. Um, the way that the NWA, and I kind of uh, I talked about this uh, on the pre-party show the other day, the national title, the feud between Colt Cabana and James Storm has has actually been pleasantly um, paying off. Uh, the feud started at the Crockett Cup when Colt Cabana unceremoniously sent Willie Mack packing. I mean, not only did he take his title, but then Willie Mack just left the NWA altogether. Then Colt, yeah, Colt uh, was the one that made the impact there. Yeah, legitimately just drove Willie Mack out of uh, the NWA. Um, and then before Colt even has an opportunity to, you know, say Mazel Tov or anything like that, you get James Storm in the ring who's already challenging him for a match. And this was back at the Crockett Cup. Um, and the uh, exchange of words were there. They had a, a match at Ring of Honor. Um, it was actually at the... Uh, the War of the Worlds, which uh, New Japan participated in. And uh, the match went to a, uh, I believe it went to a draw or a cabana one. I'm not exactly sure now. My memory's fuzzy. Um, but then uh, they, they had a rematch scheduled. Cabana got hurt. James Storm took advantage of that opportunity. It was on a dark show, so it really wasn't uh, presented on the Ring of Honor television, but it was in front of the Ring of, Ring of Honor crowd. James Storm wins the title. He has one defense, only one, and that was uh, for an indie promotion out in Georgia, of all places. And the two reconvened in NWA uh, in Atlanta at the Georgia Broadcasting Studios. Colt says he wants that title match back, and they built towards that match. And we have a new NWA national champion. No surprise there, right, fellas? Yeah, it's almost like I've seen it coming. Uh, taking away the idea of the thing being taped, it surprised me when it happened. I, I wasn't sure, I was a little bit surprised that they changed title title back as quickly as they did. So it it was a you know surprises are good in wrestling sometimes, and um, we'll see where this leads. Now, that makes Colt Cabana a two-time NWA world champion, a two-time NWA national champion. And, uh, well, I mean, if he and Mr. Kennedy continue to uh, – excuse me, Mr. Anderson, he and Mr. Anderson continue to team together, maybe he might become the first triple crown of the Billy Corgan era of the NWA. Um, then we got the uh, the Retromania commercial. Um I know you guys aren't a fan of the Goofy, but what did you think of Nick Aldis and these modern video games are too difficult? Hey, I agree with him. I have a hard time with modern uh, games. Uh, you know, th this is fine because it was for, my understanding, natural product. I mean, this is something yeah. that's really happening, something you're really going to be able to get. Yes. And so I was perfectly fine with the commercial. I've known some time about Retromania. Uh, I, I know the um, kind of through through a mutual acquaintance, kind of know one of the programmers and one of the people behind it. And um, I know that there's even more that's coming with it. I love the fact that they're using the Power R -R 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 Studio 
and Nick Aldis and Cole Cabana are going to be part of it, and so is Austin Idol. Uh, maybe the one of the arenas could be the Austin Idol Universal Academy. That'd be kind of cool. Does that but, come with um, a kayfabe cocktail, or is that uh, not an option? Yeah, uh, only when um, Bill Cosby's around, and uh, just make sure that uh, that um, Epstein didn't commit suicide. But that's all. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> so, anyways, uh, uh, going on my. On my Amazon wish list will be the NWA Retromania. It's said to be coming out in the first quarter of 2020. And, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing it. And maybe I'll actually play it on the Twitch channel and we could talk NWA while I'm playing as Nick Aldis conquering the uh, Legion of Doom. That'll be good. Uh, Animal Hawk versus – that'll be great. Uh, Tommy Dreamer. I think he beat Tommy Dreamer before. Pretty much I think everybody he's living, he's had some kind of association with in this game. So why not? And the, the interesting thing about it is, too, it's, it's the game itself. Um, it's not an NWA game. Uh, I don't want people to be confused. This has been in the works for quite a while, but it, it does feel like they're going to be putting a big chunk of NWA look and feel into it. And for me, that's awesome. I think that's great. I think uh, I'm looking forward to it. So next after this was the tag team match with the Dawson's versus Mims and somebody. I, I can't remember the Kingsley. other name. Kingsley. And the crowd got behind Mims. Well, that's good. Maybe they could pay his hospital bills. <laughs> yeah, that's about all they got. Um the uh, the outlaws uh, would end up challenging uh, Kingsley and Mims, but this is what we were talking about just last uh, the last Redo podcast. Mims. What's that? Redo that. Said the wrong name. Oh, I did, didn't I? Let me start over. Yip 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 yip. Um, we the outlaws would come out to challenge the Dawsons for their number one contender spot at the tag team titles. Um, but the the. The geez, why am I having trouble talking right now? But the Dawsons uh, actually got a victory over Kingsley and Mims, who I said again, Mims looked pretty good in the ring. Um, but this was a return to the squash match. We were talking about this last week. How one of the things we felt was hurting the NWA tag team division is those squash matches. These matches that make the Dawsons look very credible and uh, very much a threat to the tag team champions, Latimer and Isaacs. Gentlemen, your thoughts on this match? It was a good enhancement match. I mean, it served its purpose. The guys weren't uh, skinny 150-pound people who naturally, you know, if I tripped and fell, I'd pin them. They're the, you know, they had fairly decent look. I don't know which one was which. The bigger guy was certainly uh, uh, got a little bit of offense in. but That was Mims. But, you know, the Dawson steamrolled them like they should have. Exactly. Yeah, I think they, if there was more of this initially, maybe we'll buy into some of these tag teams a little bit more. You know, if they establish their movesets, they establish their personalities, they establish their in-ring personas and, and what they can do. 
I also like the fact that they had a much better um, tag team finisher than that 69 belly bump that they were doing before. <laughs> yeah, I think well, they used the double power bomb, right? Yeah, kind of like an H-bomb in a way. Yeah. So I, I think we all agree uh, that that was a good way to set up this um, the, the continuation of the, the feud between the Dawsons uh, and uh, the Outlaws. It certainly uh, helped, in my opinion, it boosts the Dawsons up a little bit. Um, you know, I still don't find them to be the best thing on the card. They're not my cup of tea, but that, I feel like more matches like this certainly help their reputation. Uh, um, next up was the return of, well, the debut, in-ring debut of Thunder Rosa. Yeah, let's hope there's no drums playing when we're trying to talk about her, but... <laughs> They're coming. Dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. Well, that Thunder Rosa has a unique look, that whole Day of the Dead, Les, Les Martes, whatever. Um... I like the look. I like Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa comes across as a serious challenger. Um, we were complaining about what would happen last week with uh, Vox winning. Well, she took some of that momentum, and then it kind of further elevated Thunder Rosa by beating somebody who just came off a big win. So, And it also, in a way, kind of makes sense now because think about what's going on with uh, – oh, what's her name? Um the girl with the big, the, Marty the Bell? awesome big hair, Marty Bell. Yeah, Marty Bell. She, Marty Bell. She's um, she's upset about losing. She's upset about what uh, Ashley, uh, not Ashley, um, Allison K said. Allison. And, yeah, Allison K. And I said that the second time, <laughs> but she was upset about the Allison K said, and it kind of played in with the story on that one. DK, your thoughts? The match itself was exactly what it needed to be, which was, you know, Thunder Rosa basically dominating Ashley Box. I guess if I had any complaint about that was if we go back to last week and she just had this victory, then, you know, again, it's kind of putting both Martin Bell and Fox in a low, lower spot. But at least... Uh, Marty Bell was able to get some payback, but it did lead me to another issue that we're kind of having a little bit with the NWA, and that is, who's the face, who's the heel, who am I supposed to cheer for, who am I supposed to boo, because, you know, Alton K had been the heelish one coming into this, putting down her opponents and you're not ready and you're not good enough and stuff like this. And yet, you know, after she pinned Bach, Thunder Rosa attacked her more. Marty Bell comes out. And then to, and then they do the interview with Marty Bell where she's sitting there complaining about what Allison Kay has to say. Allison Kay comes out before she can get three words out. She's attacked by Thunder Rosa and then gives Marty Bell the chance to get a cheap shot in. Marty Bell gets the cheap shot in and rolls out. And 
okay, they did a good job of advancing the storyline, but I don't know who I'm supposed to like. Well, well I, right I, now I don't like any of them. <laughs> I think that uh, the attack itself was telling you, like, okay, so Allison K is the victim. She might be a little bit on the braggadocious side, but ultimately she wasn't attacking people outside of, you know, being a savage and putting them down. Um, but once she was attacked by Thunder Rosa, I mean, that kind of sealed the deal. And um, furthermore, uh, just getting back to Thunder Rosa, this is exactly what the NWA women's division needed. This is exactly what I've been talking about for the last few weeks. Sitting there on the first night of the TV taping, watching the women's division, I was not impressed. In fact, I was disappointed. If I had a weak link for the NWA on night number one of those tapings, it was the women's wrestling division. I don't want any, I don't want any uh, emails from Chicago. Night number two, we get Thunder Rosa out, and I've been tweeting this in, as a joke. I've been you know, putting the underscore save us Thunder Rosa because, honestly, I know there's potential for that women's division, but it hadn't been even close to being actualized until Thunder Rosa stepped into that ring. She put on a hell of a match with Ashley Vox. Did Vox look bad in the loss? I mean, not really. Thunder Rosa just looked very dominant. And then the attack on the champion afterwards really sets up an angle. Well, now you've got Marty Bell, the best friend, who's now turned her back on Allison Kay. You've got Thunder Rosa, who certainly has got a bullseye, you know, directed at Allison Kay. And Ashley Vox and all this is just kind of like a, uh, you know, we, we don't know what's going to happen with her. Is she going to help Allison in, in this feud? Is she going to, you know, is she going to go lick her wounds? We don't know. But ultimately, I feel like um, that was a shot in the arm for the women's division for the NWA. And I really am looking forward to seeing what's next. You know, we did kind of skip over something real quick. We didn't mention the interview with uh, Mr. Tim Storm, former NWA champion. Oh, yeah. Gosh, my notes must have been a lot worse than I thought they were. Yeah, clickbait Joe Galley attacking our friend Tim Storm. Made You know, I thought Tim was going to cry. And uh, that would have been a damn shame because everybody loves Tim Storm. And I didn't like the way Joe Galley was coming at him. Certainly didn't wasn't befitting of a, uh, you know, uh, an award winning journalist. That's for sure. A bunch of clickbait making people cry. DKM, what did you think about that interview? Is Joe Galley a heel? Um, <laughs> I we ask that question intentionally. I, I well, I don't. I mean, I think originally he wasn't supposed to be. I think, I think the NWA may have been surprised that. The fans stood up for Camille. <laughs> Just based on a couple of tweets that were issued. Maybe that was always their plan. Maybe I don't know. But, you know, a couple of tweets were kind of like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I kind of get the feeling that it may not have been – I don't know if that was the original plan or not, but I, I like announcers to be announcers. I like interviewers to be interviewers. Uh, if you – Get a color guy in that happens to be a hill. I've never been the biggest fan of that. And this goes back to when Roddy Piper was on Georgia Championship Wrestling or Jesse Ventura or WWE or whoever. 
I, I don't think the heel perspective needs to be there and justified or whatever. But in this particular case, I don't need an announcer that's or interviewer who's almost by his nature at healing the talent because you know back in the day if the announcer had healed the talent the talent would have dropped them on their head <laughs> NWA you know, I think you got it. a perfect angle right there drop Joe Galley on his head well <laughs> yeah I mean the interview was what it was Nick Aldis coming out and talking to him uh, I don't know I could have done without it, I guess. The The thing I did like about it is, so, okay, just quoting what Aldous said, hey, none of this happens without both of us. To a point, he is right, okay? 10 pounds of gold was so popular initially because it focused on Tim Storm. And for whatever reason, for all the years that Tim Storm was wrestling in other promotions, for whatever reason, that spotlight of the 10 pounds of gold, that shine that that belt gave him, it made him so likable. It made him extremely charismatic. You know, he's a high school teacher. He's, he's like your dad. He, you, you want to spend time with him. And I think that's what attracted a lot of people for that 10 pounds of gold initially. And the feud between him and all this kind of put them in that right position. Uh, to carry that 10 pounds of gold into the first year that the Corgan and Lagana crusade for the NWA started. And, uh, you know, the Aldous crusade, obviously. But the significant part of this is, what is Tim Storm going to do next? And, well, I know you guys are NWA historians. I know you guys know about the stables that have come through the NWA. But wasn't wasn't the horseman kind of built on something similar where you had the world champion kind of looking to solidify himself with, uh, you know, very reputable wrestlers, um, some of the best wrestlers on the planet. There was a lot of respect that Tim Storm and Nick Aldis have for each other that, you know, over these battles, these, I guess, four matches over two years, they really accumulated a, uh, a lot of respect for one another. And personally, what I see happening, and I could be crazy, and there's nothing, you know, there, th- this is just Jason foreshadowing. This isn't uh, anything that I've been privy to, but I think there's a stable coming. I think I think we're going to have a uh, a new version of the Horseman, maybe. And, and, you know, don't call it the Horseman, obviously, but something similar to that in nature. What do you guys think about that? Um, I kind of hope not. Honestly, not a, that. I, if all honesty, I think sure. Storm is going to turn heel and do something to possibly earn a sh- another shot at the NWA World Championship. I don't believe his dreams are dead. And I think he's. I think it will come around that he'll formulate a way to once again get that championship match. I can see that happening. Uh, for those that don't know much about Tim Storm here in Texas, he's been uh, face, heel, tweener, you name it. And uh, sometimes, what was his? Sometimes, what was his stable? Sometimes in different promotions. <laughs> what was his stable with Matt Riviera, the Elite? What was that? Uh, the Empire. Do you guys remember? The Empire. Yeah, the Elite were those other guys. Uh, the Empire. And that who that was Matt Riviera, 
Tim Storm, and what? Uh, Scott Anthony? Uh, Greg Anthony and... Greg Anthony, excuse me. And there was a fourth member. But okay. I don't remember who right off the top of my head. So, who knows? I mean, again, that was just my foreshadowing. I've heard other people uh, kind of insinuate the same thing you gentlemen are insinuating, which is he could... Uh, you know, blow our minds by going full heel, but we'll see. I mean, that's the thing about this show. <laughs> There's so many roles are undefined that it's kind of hard to figure out who's who and what's what. But I'll tell you that um, there's gonna be a lot of sad people if Tim Storm goes heel. Yeah, like Mama, um, Mama Storm. <laughs> and and this is this is kind of like a, let me pull the window back a little bit. They're talking about trying to find someone for uh, Mama Storm. So don't be surprised if Mama Storm appears in a future episode of the NWA. Because, uh, yeah. I hope they use the same actress that was Shelton Benjamin's mama. <laughs> yeah, that'd be perfect. Perfect casting. Yes. <laughs> so next up, the advertised main event of the night. We were going to get Colt Boom Boom Cabana. The former yeah, NWA yeah. national champion. No, you're hey, skipping something again. My notes must be awful. What did what did I miss? Ricky Starks. Well, first of all, they had the uh, oh, stupid geez. promo with the question mark, which was probably the one major downpour down uh, downward spiral of this program. Is he cares what the question mark is? Yeah, see so you crumbling up your notes. But then they yep. had uh, Ricky Starks and Aaron Stevens. Two out of three falls. That's right. That, that noise is. I was literally crumbling up my notes because they're garbage. <laughs> uh, I promise to do better next week, guys. We expect better. Yeah. How was, next the guy week, winging, how was the guy winging it, remembering this, and the, and the guy that took notes having trouble? I will say this, uh, and if you guys are following the Alliance blog on all social media, then you saw it. I produced so much content yesterday, I could barely keep my mind straight on anything. Um, I was there's activity on Instagram. There's activity on on YouTube. There was activity on TikTok. So I was all over the place yesterday. So I apologize if I guess my notes were uh, garbage. But uh, I actually enjoyed the Ricky Starks match with Aaron Stevens. Um, you know I know they're going for this silliness. I mean they put him in a nude, a near nude uh, uh, trunks for his match Talk about with the ultra out. Oh. It happened more than once. When he came out, the crowd literally thought he was naked. I mean, we all gasped like, oh, gee, oh, okay. It's covered, but barely. Well, because the, um, the first shot for us was from the back, and I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Exactly. We were like that as well. And, uh, yeah, that was, a, that was a bit much for my liking, but it kind of fit with the whole – I mean, he's definitely acting a little flamboyant, which kind of – uh, I guess plays well with a stroke daddy. Don't Google that, please. Um, it, yeah, it was, it was just, it was. Look, I yeah, the dogs didn't like it. Nobody seemed to like it. Well, I, I mean, look, I like Ricky Starks, and I think the NWA is doing him perfectly because they're building him up. They're putting challenges in front of him, and he's beaten two, four, or. Two times has he beaten um, Aaron Stevens, and that's two former WWE competitors that he's beaten. 
Um, and he's looked really good in most of his matches. He had the great match with Caleb Conley to start the show off uh, on the first week of television. To me, I, I mean, he's he's kind of forging his way as the MVP of the show. I mean, he's not a champion, but he certainly is starting to look good in the ring to me. And that quick victory against Aaron Stevens. And did you guys catch the part where he fell into the lap of uh, the Tennessee volunteer Santa Claus? Yeah. Um, but he didn't beat uh, – when he Ricky Starks beat uh, Murdoch, not um, Caleb Conley. Oh. At least uh, not yet. Who knows? Maybe you're – Oh, no, you're right. Spoilers. No, 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 you're right. You're right. I scratch that. Never mind. I take it back. Yes. Rewind. That was, that was Eli Drake who defeated Caleb Conley, not Ricky Starks. Okay. So, well, the interesting thing is that when you look at who Ricky Stark has, has beaten, and you know, they're two older veterans, and neither one of them has wrestled in a little bit, but you can't argue their pedigrees. Both are former WWE uh, champions in the tag teams of a division. I don't remember if Sandell ever held one of the singles titles or not. I'm sorry. I don't believe he did. I, I don't think so. But he was a tag team champion on uh, more than one occasion. Trevor Murdoch was three-time champion. So, I mean, you know, these were guys that were upper mid-card. And uh, there's no arguing that Aaron Stevens was very over in his Mizdow persona. Right. So, I mean, Ricky Starks is, I mean, they, they are building him correctly in my mind. Uh I it, well, I mean, I, I don't want to. I wouldn't want them to continue to do this for the next ten years or even four weeks. But uh, you know, they're getting some. The, the thing is, I don't know what you do with Ricky Starks in the sense that he's a smaller guy. You, there's not really a title for him to be actively going for. Uh, they don't have a junior heavyweight title, and I'm fine with X. They don't really seem to have a lot of junior heavyweights. they got a lot of big guys. So, it, you know, this is a battle of how do you use them? I mean, Jaden, what would you do? How would you use Ricky Starks? Well, one of my problems with Ricky Starks right now is um, I still think he looks like Sebastian Cruz, so I keep seeing that when I look at him. Actually, if you ever watched uh, the Full House, there was this little nerdy kid who was uh, friends with, with baby Michelle, and he kept saying, you're weird. And he had this little weird little haircut, and he was actually related to Tian Tamara. Uh, he also kind of looked like yeah. him, so maybe so maybe that's him growing up. Um but, you know, he's got some talent. I think he could possibly challenge for the national championship. That could be something that might be down the line. Colt's not the biggest guy. He's actually probably the smallest heavyweight they have in the division. So, you know, I can see him challenging for the national championship and even maybe maybe giving Nick Aldis a run for his money. And Nick Aldis seems to think he's a big-time player. Maybe it's time to see put his uh, money where his mouth is and see if he can handle the dealer, the national treasure. Yeah, I mean, well, not all at once, gentlemen. 
Go ahead, DK. I was just saying, I don't know. Uh, I, you don't want to move him too fast. No. You don't want to – I mean, you start putting him in with people that you know are going to beat him. I don't think that's a good thing. On the other hand, he's got to – you know, he's got to move to a next level at some point here, maybe in the next set of tapings or something. I, or maybe he just needs a good person to feud with. Uh, so, you know, not all feuds uh, revolve around a title belt. And maybe just, uh, you know, I, I, I know uh, he and Aaron Stevens aren't finished. Um, but uh, maybe that's what he needs is a, just a, a good feud to help uh, kind of direct that character a little bit more. Well, he probably needs somebody like Caleb Conway. Or... Uh who's, you know, I think they could put on a good thing. They could put on good matches where they could elevate each other and uh, and look good where who who wins and who loses maybe at the end of the day isn't as important as how they look in the match. So somebody like that I think would be a good, you know, good hookup for both of them. Yeah, I really haven't seen that match, Conley and Ricky Starks. How about you, Jay? I would love it. Um, I'm a big fan of both those guys. Um, you know, we had we've been talking about Conley so much, and I kind of forgot to mention that he was part of that New Year's Cup, uh, or, or not New Year's, the New Year's uh, pop up event that they did with Tried and True Pro. And in fact, that's how the War Kings got their uh, they earned their spot in the Crockett Cup by beating Caleb Conley. And I want to say it was. Uh, Oh, Jay Bradley. I think it was Jay Bradley. Um, but that's how they got into the Crockett Cup for the War Kings. And uh, certainly, you know, Caleb Conley is a guy that's been involved in the NWA through many iterations of the NWA. So uh, I, I like the guy. I love to see him wrestle. I think him and Ricky Starks could certainly have a, a terrific match. Um, kind of like the match that we had for the uh, advertised main event between Colt Boom Boom Cabana and James Storm. I think this was one of the best matches we've seen to date on the NWA Power Show. Um, oddly enough, Eli Drake came out with James Storm again, you know, being the puppet mastermind, making the puppet dance. And, of course, uh, Mr. Anderson accompanied Colt Boom Boom Cabana to the ring. Uh, Jane, I want to hear your take because I know that um, sometimes Cabana can come off as too funny for you, but and this match, he seems pretty much serious the entire time. What what were your thoughts on the match? It felt like he had a championship that he wanted to win, and that championship was important to him, and that he would do anything he can, put the histrionics behind him to win that championship and avenge that controversial loss to James Storm and maybe even earn himself a future NWA World Heavyweight Championship match in the process since the – national champion is the national natural number one contender. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> DK. Did we lose you DK? Okay. I'm here. Sorry. All right. Um, that's okay. okay. I'm drink. Unfortunately, it wasn't whiskey. Uh, as for the match itself, I really liked the match. Again, 
going back to even like last week's, it was really good television main event. It was good back and forth. There weren't long periods of either one of them dominating. Uh, they both they both made it seem like you know they were truly in it to win it. That that title meant something. Uh, I wasn't 100% thrilled with some of the camera work at the very end because I kind of missed what was going on when just before he actually got the pin. So, you know, the next thing I knew, Colt Cabana had done that, what you call it, Superman dive? Yeah. And was pinning James Storm. And I kind of, I don't know how that was set up or anything. And I'll admit I didn't go back to watch it, but it was just kind of, you know, there was, there was the distraction on the, on the floor between Eli Drake and Mr. Anderson and uh, Camille, who we don't know why she was out there. Who's the real puppet master? Could all this be the real puppet master here? Why is Camille out there? Uh, why she shove? Eli Drake, why did she stare down Anderson and then leave after the pinfall? I mean, it, yeah, I'm wondering that kind of curious too. Like, what is exactly going on with Camille? Um, I know back in don't the heyday, yeah, don't ask Joe Galley. I know back in the heyday of the NWA, everybody was kind of feuding with everybody and. They had matches that can go on at any time, so they can go right. The Midnight Express were feuding with the Rock and Roll Express. They were feuding with the Lightning Express. They were feuding with Dusty and Magnum. They were feuding with the Road Warriors. They were feuding uh, with Ron Garvin and Wahoo McDaniels. You know, they had feuds going on with a little bit of anybody. So they're at any time the there could be any. Yeah, even few. Well, I was later a different version of the Midnight Express, but. <laughs> Um, you know, there was they can go on with feud with just about anybody at the time, and you know that's the way the NWA worked. Everybody kind of had multiple feuds going on, and even the feuds that they did, weren't currently going on, they were always in somebody's back of somebody's mind, so they could bring back at any time. But they were still well-defined faces and heels, and I don't feel that it works so well because there's not well-defined faces and heels, so it's more confusing than. Everybody hates everybody, and you know everybody has something against each other. It's more of like I don't have a clue what's going on or why these people are doing what they're doing. Jay, yeah, yeah. We'll see, and, and I see things a little bit differently. Um, I kind of agree with you. Who is manipulating? Who, you know, you said is Aldis being the manipulator? How do we know Camille isn't the one being the manipulator? Maybe Camille is pulling Aldis' strings. We don't really know. I mean, I know he's a married man, but things happen. Um, dun, dun, dun. right. Um, so we don't know. And I think that's part of the, the joy of the show because don't give me everything at once. If I digest it all now, I'm not going to want to come back later for a dessert. Give me a little bit. Let it, let me eat it. Let me build up on it. Okay. Then parse out my meal for me, please. It, it, you parse it out for me so that I can have a little bit now and a little bit later. Cause I'll keep coming back for more if I don't eat too much all at once. And that's how I feel they're doing it, which I think is good storytelling. I think it's good for the NWA. It's going to keep people coming back week after week. Um, you know, we were talking about the numbers offline DKM and myself. 
we were talking about how the show's success, um, you know, that first week, they had almost half a million people watch. Now, that was almost a month. That was a month ago. So now a month later, um, I believe prior to the show starting, they were somewhere about, uh, I want to say, 76,000 people have watched this week's episode. So in one day, they've got 76,000 views. Um, while the show was going on, I, I've been tracking the views week after week. And the numbers were pretty consistent from episode four to this week's episode five. And especially when you get to that main event, all of a sudden you get 10,000 people watching the show. That leads me to believe that maybe some people are just getting in late. Some people are checking it out when they can get into it. But week after week, you've got about 10,000 people live watching the NWA, watching that main event. And I think that says something about the brand and how it's growing so the story, the, the the devices that they're using to tell stories, I think, are somewhat working because week after week we're still getting people coming to the show. So that match ends, and then we get those damn dirty Dawsons running to the microphone saying they'll take that match, which is odd because I thought they were going to think about it, and it took them you know forty five minutes to think about it. They get out there, and uh, we get Outlaws Inc. We get Homicide and sorry i have to do that once a week we get eddie kingston and this might be the best that dawson's actually looked to me guys what what did you think about the impromptu secondary main event i had mixed feelings when it came to it overall i thought it was a pretty good uh pretty good match i do think it highlighted the dawson's uh wasn't Wild about the finish. And uh, wasn't wild that the Dawson's lost. Because then it was almost like everything that was done at the beginning of the show with them was undone at the end of the show with them. Right. You know, okay, you just put them over as these, as these uh, bulldozers. They start the match and they're dominating. And then, you know, you can kind of say it wasn't necessarily their fault. But while the card comes out to interfere, what looks like to be on their behalf. Although I don't know if Dalton's had anything to do with it. Dawson's. Dawson's sorry. <laughs> Dalton's. Dalton Creek. I don't know. Uh, you, you, you called them the Beltons in the last podcast. At least I didn't call them the darlings. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> but anyway, my point's still the same. Whatever I call them yeah. and whatever their names really are, my point's still the same. Uh, they took a loss probably when they didn't need to take a loss, when it wasn't necessarily necessary for them to take a loss. That would have been a good double count out, a no contest, a throw the match out type of situation where nobody gets hurt, you know, as far as storyline's concerned. So, match good, ending bad. Jaden? Well, I love the pop of the Rock and Roll Express when they came out. You know, they even the odds. It did seem pretty obvious that the wild card didn't want to face Kingston and Homicide, so they thought maybe the Dawson's being lesser and well-known um, – may have been an easier time for them, maybe the lesser experience of the group. 
So maybe they thought they would have a better shot defending against the Dawsons. Um, and then the Rock and Roll Express come out and the fans absolutely love it. What I know about Homicide in Kingston, they probably should have attacked the Rock and Rolls too, just because that would fit their MO. Uh, but then again, we never, that goes with the whole thing. We don't know who the faces and heels. At least we know the Rock and Rolls are definitely faces. Uh, but I'm just worried. I really am that they're building to a four-way match for the NWA championship. And I'm not a big fan of multi-person matches for a championship. I know sometimes it has to be done. And sometimes organically it happens and it kind of makes sense. But I'm just not a fan of it. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you should put, you know, a bunch of guys in the ring to decide a title and then, you know, bring out another wrestler during the main event to anyway, that's another story altogether. Um, but yes, the multi-man tag team matches, I agree with you, Jaden. I don't think that's a good idea. Um, we all know what this leads to. Yes, Ricky Morton, yes, Robert Gibson popped that Atlanta crowd. Um, we knew we there we knew that they were going to be there. It was advertised. Um, but the crowd went absolutely nuts for it. And I can't take credit for it. This was on the, uh, the This is the NWA podcast, which is with Adam Rotella and Gary Holm. And uh, I don't remember which one said it, but I think it might have been Gary. He's saying the look on Eddie Kingston's face, sitting there holding the hands of the Rock and Roll Express, it almost felt like it might have been a childlike experience for Eddie Kingston to be there with maybe a tag team he might have idolized growing up. Um, what do you guys think about that? The, the idea that maybe Kingston was happy to see the Rock and Roll Express because he grew up watching them on TV. Well, the Rock and Roll, other than the Road Warriors, the Rock and Roll probably got the biggest pop out of any babyface tag team in the NWA history. In reality, they probably got equal pops. It's just the Rock and Rolls were a little higher pitched than the Road Warriors was. But, uh, <laughs> and the, the charisma's still there. You know, we joked around with it, but at what are they, like 60 something years old? And the Rock and Roll 61 Express. 61 and 63. Yes, the Rock and Roll Express are still in 2019 are the hottest tag team in professional wrestling. So I'm, even if even if do even if moron promoters do use them wrong, but still, you know, it's it's great to see them. I guess they still have something. They still have that innate ability to connect to that crowd, and that's something that a lot of modern wrestlers don't have. This is true. Well, they can go. I mean. They're good professional wrestlers. They don't do the. They know how much you do. They know how to speed up, slow down. They know how. They know how to wrestle. And uh, you know they're they've been the underdogs their entire career. Right. I mean they've beaten teams like Ivan Koloff and Kita Koloff, and you know. Uh, other bigger, badder uh, teams have been the underdogs their entire life. But it, so at sixty, why you know what's different? They're still the underdogs, and they still know how to work the crowd, and the crowd loves them. And I mean, the teeny boppers probably still love them for all I know. Uh, <laughs> Reminds them of their great grandpas. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, Jim Cornette tells a story about how he was the only heel that got a lot of mail back in the, you know, mid eighties from 
you know, Crockett Promotions, and it was all hate mail, and they all hated him sure. because, of course, of how they treated the Rock and Roll Express. Sure. You know, so I mean, they were so popular, they generated a lot of a lot of fan mail for Jim Cornette, so they could tell him how much they hated him. <laughs> and it's just, it, it's just a, it's amazing to see them. It's amazing to think that they win the titles. Uh, again, probably we all know this isn't going to be long term. I hope they play it smart with them. I hope Jaden's wrong that they're heading towards a multi-team match. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I suppose we'll find out when they start announcing pay-per-view matches. So, well, and so here, here's here's an inside scoop, guys. Um, they are doing a benefit show, they being the Rock and Roll Express, for Bobby Eaton on that same day as the pay-per-view. Now, can they jump in an airplane and fly from one show to the next? Sure. But is that uh is that sound likely? Not really. I mean this I isn't sh- the old days where Crockett had a helicopter to fly him from here to there. So where they're doing the show and to the Atlanta taping is actually almost equal to the distance of where they would be doing the shows in the 1980s and the Atlanta TV station. So it's very possible if they get out early enough, they can drive. Well, um, and again, way, don't tell Bobby, don't tell Bobby Eaton about that show. He's, he doesn't have, he's not allowed to know about it. I don't think he has the YouTube. I don't That's why you make sure you don't tell him. Say that again, DK. I don't think he has a computer. He might not. Um, so there's a good possibility that the Rock and Roll Express might not even be at the pay-per-view, but I'm certain, certain they'll be there the following two nights in Atlanta at the uh, Georgia Broadcasting Studios. So we'll see. Um, but ultimately, guys, I the 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 survey that I took kind of listening to this conversation, I feel like we were all more positive about this week's episode than we were last week's. Yeah, it's the best episode since the first one. A few minor things here and there that, you know, we really didn't need any question marks. You know, leave the marks for the people, leave the marks for the uh, crowd so they can clap at everything. Um, but uh, it's a much better show. It was very good. Had me excited. I was looking. For, I always kind of look forward to the NWA and always feel bad that if, you know, when I don't like something that I, and I'm always opinionated and I know it shocks some people. But uh, they just, I don't know. It's so much better than everything they've done the last two weeks. I still think the first episode was slightly better, but it was very, very close second, in my opinion. I'm going to disagree with Jaden. I thought this one was better than the first one. Uh, it didn't have, it didn't have silly commercials. Uh, it didn't have, you know, a Josephus match. <laughs> it, you know. Yeah, there are still some things that need to be worked out. I mean, I understand your what you're talking about earlier about you know spreading out the meal. It you just got to be careful when you're doing stuff like that because you can also fill up halfway through and then get up and leave the table. Right. So, uh, you know, it's they're they're the only wrestling show 
that I truly enjoy watching. And I only watched about two and a half. High praise from Caesar. Yeah. So, you know, it's, they're good. Don't, don't misunderstand our critiques or criticisms. They're good. Uh, we just want to see them succeed. Um, I agree with both you guys. I thought the show was great. Um, I don't know if I liked it more than the first one, but I certainly felt really good in the audience that night. And I, I believe I messaged you both this from the studios like, oh, night number two, they found their groove. And I believe the show continues to go from here. Another, like you said, there's going to be quips and critiques that we have, but ultimately I think the show is by far one of my favorite things about Tuesdays. In fact, probably the only favorite thing about Tuesdays. So I look forward to it next week. NWA power. And uh, Jaden. Thank you. And, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for us, guys. Uh, this might have been the best podcast we've ever done because we didn't drop it at least once, not once. Don't jinx so, us. Yeah, Real well, quick, before shows. we go, before we go, I got to say, I hate Josephus. If you're a fan of Josephus, um, go pee on an electric fence. And uh, he still sucks. And if you don't, if you think he's great, then I, I wonder if you live near power lines or maybe. You know, a long time ago, I found out that the United States government used to inject radioactive isotopes into pregnant women to see what happens to the babies. I think those babies became fans of Josephus. All right. All I right. I get that in, you know. That's my – I can't even say it's my gimmick. That's 100% real. But I can't disagree with him. I don't know that I would have made an effort to set it, but I can't disagree with them. I will say one thing that I really did enjoy. It was a little bit inconsistent, but I really did enjoy. And that is that obviously this came from the second night of tapings because Dave Marquez had his sheet on there where he was able to do weights <laughs> in hometowns and, you know, proper introductions yeah. instead of this is Bob and this is Joe. Sure. Okay, that's that's fair. You know what? We're not like people that are going to backtrack. Yeah, DK, I'm sorry. I said I noticed they didn't give the weight for the girls. Yeah, well, no. who would ask them, right? But um, me. You know, we're not going to be somebody to backtrack. I actually like David Marquez in his role. Um, his interaction is different depending on who he's in there with. He's almost Bobby Heenan-esque somewhat when he's in there with uh, – Aaron Stevens, but you know, I, I do like him in the role. Um, some people said he's not exciting enough. I maybe he could bring it up a tad. It wouldn't probably hurt, but I do like everything that he does. I like Jim Cornette. Um, you know, I, I think since where I'm talking about it, I think the NWAs are kind of pussies about what they did with the uh, with the oh uh, Jim Cornette is where he's been talked to and everything else. That's so bullshit. Such bullshit. It really is. Grow a fucking sack. God damn it. <laughs> Oops, somehow this part of the show got somehow this show got edited somehow. I don't know what happened. <laughs> don't don't edit it. Come on. It's true though. Oh, I'm not, you know, I He's a, Jim Cornette talked about it on his last podcast. I guess the only thing I didn't like was apparently they hadn't actually listened to it. 
they basically call, uh, he basically said, Logana called them and go, did you do this? No. Did you say this? No. Cause you can't make fun of, you know, I understand didn't do it. And, uh, everything that's like, and then they had to issue a statement. And it's, yeah, I know. Gross they, damn sack. The people that aren't going to watch because of Jim Cornette, chances aren't weren't going to watch the fuck anyway. So you know what? Screw them. Well, let me let, let me make this point real quick because I'm usually on the other side. Um, Joey Ryan, James Cornette. Yeah, James Cornette can be abrasive, right? James Cornette is who he is. The NWA knew who he was when they hired him. They knew what he was about when they hired him, and they didn't care. So uh, the, the, the fact that they sent out the letter, I get it because, look, man, this is still a game. You still have to play politics. Um, what Cornette said wasn't all that bad. He said so much worse in the past. This was tame by comparison. He said but they had that show. Yeah, right? But I get why, the, why they have to do what they have to do. Um, but in the meantime, the, the fans of the NWA, um, for the most part, they love James Cornette. For the most part, they love the guy. It, it's the same audience. And, and I think it's foolish to think that uh, he could say something that's going to offend the main NWA fan base. Now, there are fringe people who are watching the show, checking it out, that might be turned off by Cornette. But again, that's not your diehards. That's not your fan base. That's just a few guys here, a few guys there. Um, I heard what it was said. Um, it wasn't as egregious as it was made out to be. Um, I certainly especially when it comes to suicide, it hasn't affected me personally, but I know people who it has. And I really think that that is a, a very, uh, a very touchy subject that should be treaded lightly. I don't think Cornette went there. I don't think he did anything wrong. Um, I'm not backpedaling and I'm not sticking up for Cornette because he could do that himself. Um, but I think there was a lot of a social justice outrage that wasn't necessary. I think if anyone heard what he actually said, um, they would walk it back. But, you know, Cornette is one of these guys that has a bullseye on him because people just don't want to like him because he has different views and different opinions, and he's unapologetic about that. And that's always going to cause, you know, uh, some division amongst wrestling fans. But, again, I say week after week, uh, wrestling is the ultimate uh, Baskin-Robbins. There's 31 different flavors or more. You can find something that you like without taking away from something that I like. We can all enjoy our own flavors. We can. There's so much offerings right now. There's over 30 hours of wrestling on television or YouTube or some sort of uh, streaming device every week. You don't need to get stuck on one flavor. If you don't like it, feel free to try others. Yeah, but this is, some of those flavors are uh, are in one cup that two girls like to enjoy. That's my opinion with some of those flavors. Jaded, you got to take it down a notch, buddy. I, I got to be able to put this up on the show. Um, <laughs> Told you I'm yeah, not being nice uh, anymore. Nice is one thing, but being salty is another. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Alliance Guys podcast. We made it through the entire episode. There will be very little editing, just the last line, maybe. Um, but uh, guys, <laughs> thanks again for joining us. Um, if you enjoyed... Uh, what I did last week, the pre-party before. Um, tune in next week. I'm going to try to do it again. We'll see if this becomes a thing for us at the Alliance guys, uh, the Alliance podcast, the Alliance blog. So if you like what you saw, tune in, tell a friend, share it uh, on social media. Uh, 
And of course, if you're watching this right now, give us a like button if you like it and uh, hit subscribe. That would be awesome. And until next time, DKM, you can follow him on Twitter at at DKMFWTX. And Jaden, I know you're not on social media. You're too vain for that. But uh, I know a company you work for uh, does have social media. Why don't you plug that, uh, their Twitter real quick? Well, hopefully I don't get fired. You know, I hope Dr. Lawrence O'Kanian doesn't put out a press release saying he might. that, that Jaden's views aren't necessarily his, you know. But um, it's dogprowrestling.com is the website, D-A-W-G. It's dog underscore unleashes the twitter it's dog i'm sorry no it's dog wrestling is the twitter dog underscore unleashed is the instagram and facebook.com forward slash dog wrestling i think that's all of them and again you can follow this show and all the other offerings at the alliance blog and that's twitter facebook uh youtube twitch tiktok and we even have a tumblr account but uh, that one is like the allianceblog.tumblr.com or something like that. Um, until next time, guys, thank you so much for checking us out, and I'll see you at the matches. We're going to take a bath. You feel dirty now? I, I do. Take, I take a bath. Well, I was watching two girls.